friend of mine who's close to the situation. He said, look, Otani is a guy that will kind of go off script at times. And for Blue Jays fans, that is great news. And I've heard a lot of people, oh, he's only using the Blue Jays just to ramp the price up. But this executive said he thinks the Blue Jays have a really, really good shot. And I'm not trying to pump false hope here, but he said they're in it. And I believe it. And he said another thing, too, that I thought was really interesting. The conditions that Shohei Otani wants to live in, in terms of outside of baseball, is very important. He believes that Toronto is a city that can meet those demands and expectations. Two things that are kind of outside of baseball that I thought would be interesting that checks the boxes for Toronto and the potential of an Otani reunion. Fan Morning Show, SportsCent 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. That was uh, SportsCent's own Caleb Joseph yesterday in Nashville. Home Just, game. Yeah, I was going to say, man. He does a lot of traveling, and boy, during the, the postseason, he was in this city for like a month straight. Just hold up. Yeah. <laughs> Is he young family and man, I was I mean he played major league baseball, so yeah. like not not a stranger to traveling. But for him, this is this must be nice yeah. to, to probably sleep in his own bed. Yeah, I have a young family as well, and that's a it's a double edged sword. Like you know, right. you get away from him for a little, it's great. Uh, get away from him for a lot, you you know you miss him. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. Uh, anyways, but the little, oh, yeah. God, oh so sweet. Um, Joe Otani looking to go off script, right? It's, what we talked about in the first hour of the program that I don't think the angels were regarded at the outset of his first courting procedure to be at the very tippy top of the list, but that's where he went. Mm. And certainly going into this process, I mean, we heard reports that the blue Jays were going to make overtures towards Shoyotani, but certainly we're not favorites at the outset. They've become the second favorite mm. according to just about everybody. Now, um, Rob Longley had this report, the uh, Toronto Sun, yesterday from a highly placed source familiar with the Canadian team's chase of the reigning American League MVP. That's the mm. way it was posited. The source said that during the courtship, Otani has expressed his affinity for Toronto and in uh, particular has enjoyed a city that is generally calmer and quieter than many bigger U.S. urban areas, including Los Angeles. So, like, that would coincide with what Caleb Joseph said, you know, things outside of yep. baseball. Um and, and no doubt that's part of the way this is being sold, if not to him partic in particular, to us as consumers of the Shohei Otani yep. information. Like, part of the reason that Blue Jays are involved is, like, they got this, this great facility in Dunedin, and um, they're going to take care of him financially, and this is a team that made the playoffs and won 89 games and has a young core, but also it's... Toronto, which is not New York City. By the way, New York City was never involved. Right. It's not Los Angeles, which is, I guess, true. But from a sporting perspective, I'm not sure that L.A. is, like, more fervent about its sports team than Toronto. And I wouldn't say that L.A. as a city, having been mm -hmm. to Los Angeles, yes. is, like, any calmer or, or any, any – that Toronto is any calmer than L.A. Like, L.A.'s got a lot more people. Yeah. But Toronto's also a top five city mm -hmm. population-wise in North America, and the urban core is more dense. Like, what are we talking about here? Is it actually true that Toronto is calmer and quieter than many bigger U.S. urban areas? So I think with the specific L.A. comparison, like, it depends what you're talking about, right? If you're talking about the paparazzi, 
see aspect of it, then yeah, I think pretty much every place on the earth other than I guess New York or like London would be calmer in that regard. But guess what? You're Shohei Otani. They want a picture of you. They're going to hop on a bird and take a picture of you or pay some freelancer to do that wherever you are. The thing that you brought up there in terms of the fervent sports fan, that has, has been the part of this that I've wondered how much someone like that cares or is affected by it. And, you know, maybe this is unfair of me to say, but it is a opinion I have that I refuse to be shaken from. The people on the West Coast or really any warm weather locale you can only care about your right. sports so much. You, yes. You just, you go live life if it's not happening. Guess what? It It's going to be cold and it's going to be dark at five o'clock and I'm going to go watch the Leafs and the Raptors every single night. And sometimes that darkness bleeds into Blue Jays season as well. Like, I just believe there is a level of care. And this doesn't mean that some guy who loves the Dodgers and the Lakers doesn't care as much as some guy who loves the Leafs and the Jays. Every team has a diehard fan that cares just as much, but it is not as baked into the culture out there for it to be so live and die. It has been my long-standing opinion that I kind of refuse to be shaken from. So I think there is some element of if you want a calmer sports market, it is LA, which is crazy to say. But if you want a calmer personal life, is I it, think you find it the city of Toronto is calm. I don't find no, no, no. I don't find the city of Toronto calm. Oh, you're saying there's less pa- paparazzi, but to, yes. to that it, personal life, I feel like Toronto so, would feel calmer than L.A. would, but, but not by a factor of a million. To your point, I he's not signing with the true, Royals. Though. Yeah, but I don't even know if that's true. Well, I think the I, thing about this city is that you can pick like you can pick your spots, right? Like you know, like mm. I drive through a beautiful ravine to get to the highway every day. It's like you can go live in an area like that. You can live right downtown. Mm-hmm. You could do what all the Leafs guys do oh, and live, live out in Mississauga. In a gated community right. in L.A. And I will say that, okay, maybe there's like just factually more people taking pictures of celebrities, mm-hmm. but that's because there's more celebrities in Los Angeles. Yep. And to that point, like, Shoei Otani stands out and he's a big celebrity, but, you know, he goes out on the town. He goes down Rodeo and yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio's right next of him or Leo, to him. Yeah. yeah. So... There's an argument to be made that it would be more calm from an outside of baseball perspective for Shohei Otani. I just, the idea that this is just like, oh, we accept it. Yeah. Oh, Toronto's so calm. Like, what are you talking about? And from a, like, a sporting perspective mm-hmm. and a media coverage perspective, again, like just a mathematical thing here. Like, yep. obviously, there's going to be more people covering the Dodgers and their more storied franchise, but they've also just won. And to your point about, West Coast warm weather climate mm-hmm. sport yep. fan bases like it doesn't feel like and again they just won like that the fans are going to be tearing their hair out if yeah. Shohei Otani goes 0 for 4 or the Dodgers miss the playoffs mm-hmm. next year or he's hurt or he doesn't perform to the level of a half billion dollar yeah. player as much as it will feel like an incredible coup and it'll be one of the great moments mm-hmm. in Blue Jays franchise history if they land Shohei Otani if those things happen here in Toronto and Joey Otani's not going to face the music from the media because mm-hmm. apparently that's part of the, the deal is that you you get all the plaudits if you succeed, but he he doesn't have to face the microphone if things go poorly. If things did go poorly in the city of Toronto, I would hazard to guess that he's going to hear it more in the city of Toronto than he would in L.A. Yeah, I think there's something to that. And that's why that's why I look at it. I know you view it, you view it a little differently, but I think that there is just more of a celebrity i mean well i don't think this there there is just more of a celebrity culture out in la so i think yeah he could blend in a little more but it's also part and parcel of they're looking for that kind of thing like you're expecting to see it so i 
I see what you're saying. I think the sports market here, 1,000% tougher, harder, however you want to look at it. The other thing that we don't know is, like, Shohei Otani know any of that? Like, you know, I'm I'm sure well, he, I, like, I know he understands English. Like, people talk to him, but... Is he going out there and he's reading He's reading what Johnny Jay's fan has to say on Twitter? Well, or is he, what, what, is he, he going to be surprised, right? Like, is he going to sign in Toronto for 10 years and $500 million and then, you know, after a pretty rough April and the Blue Jays are five games under 500 and he's hitting 190 yeah. and he has two home runs and people are writing like, oh, man, Juan Soto should have been better. Mm-hmm. Like, is is he going to be like, what? Like, I thought I was, like, I thought it was calm here. Like, I thought it was... Everybody's chill. I think it also has to be noted that I think him, when he considers his free agency, and you know, I maybe he would he would um, you know push back on this, but I think he considers the possibility of failure very small to impossible. Yeah, quite frankly, but with, he has with, he's failed, man. Yeah, like out of the gates. And no, no, part I, of it was inju- remember, inju- yeah. injuries, and yeah, it hasn't always been sunshine and rainbows. Like, I, I just think that that part of it, and I don't, I don't disagree that we should be talking about it. I just think that part of it is yeah, probably sure. very little into I mean, because the idea of him failing. And again, like he's, you know, he's some like I think sometimes we put too much on him of like he's a humble guy. I don't know, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. We don't know, but I think that you know, it's for any elite athlete, like they don't sit there thinking about how they're going to fail and how bad it can go. That's why you and I talk about them and they do it. Yeah. Because I definitely would sit there being like, oh, what if I fail? Yeah. And despite, yeah, he has failed. It's been a while ago since, you know, he's really taken off when he's been healthy. He's been Shoei Otani. Oh, my man Kyle in Woodstock. Great point. If you're in the meeting and Shohei wants to be left alone, you got to show him not not the commercial where people were looking at him, but the picture of Willie Nylander being left alone on the subway. It's like, yeah. hey, this guy has been talk of the town. Sorry, Shohei. You are right now. But it was kind of like the second Nylander cooled off, the Shohei stuff really started to ramp up. It was kind of perfect. But this guy was the talk of the town for two months straight. Rode the subway. No one bugged him. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Like, if there's there's maybe something to that. I You know, it's like, could he... Something could he, tells me that Shohei's not a subway rider. No, something... I mean, there's not a 0% chance he just holds up in the hotel right there, right? Yeah. Why? Like, why wouldn't part? I joked about when I was your producer on Good Show with you and Bunk when he was first coming over. Mm-hmm. I joked about this, but why would part of the pitch not be we will nuke six floors of this hotel to give you your suite, apart, whatever you want to call it, palatial palace, whatever you need up there. Like, why would that not be part of the pitch? Yeah, I mean, if that's what he wants, that's uh, what he's going to yeah. get. Yep. Like, yeah, there, yeah, if if he doesn't, but I know he's the baseball robot, and that is, according to reports, all he cares about is baseball, baseball, baseball. That would be quite a thing to just, like, spend every waking hour of your entire life within the walls of uh, the ballpark. Let me pause it is a, a, a possible outcome for him. You love golf. Mm-hmm, would do. you would you live at the golf course you're a member at? Like your family can come with you. I'll let them. I'll let them be part of it. Thanks. Yeah. Would you like you love golf? Would you want to do it all day? Would I live at Pinehurst because there's there's yeah. people that? Yeah, I know. I know. I'm very jealous of them. I know. Yeah. I mean, it sounds really good. Like I'll. Uh, here's the thing, though. Like <laughs> you can live on the golf course. I would. Yeah. But I would also like leave. Right. Oh, like. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't. 
what we're discussing about the possibility of Shohei Otani <laughs> no is leaving. literally no like leaving. he has the groceries brought to him. Yes. He has food. Like he literally does not see the light of day outside of when the roof of the dome opens. So then what are we talking about with the market? Who Which cares? is apparently how he lived his life in Japan, right? Like yep. when he was playing dorm, in Hokkaido, he was... Dorm, train, yeah. play. I think it was a Hokkaido. Uh, but yeah, he was like literally the, the, the dorm to the ballpark and then back to the dorm. Um... The other thing, hey, Kawhi's had a best man, garage to garage. It's all all the Toronto mm-hmm. uh, big moments are coming and bleeding together here. So the other thing that Shohei Otani's probably not considered, and I, I not not that he can change it now, because I think the die is cast on this thing. But something that he probably I ha- know where you're going with this. He probably hasn't considered this. Is that like, even if you're not an Angels fan, which pff, majority of baseball fans not Angels fans. Um, most people actively hate them. You respected what Shohei Otani did the last six years. You were a fan of Shohei Otani, even if you were in that division. Part of it is like the Angels were never a serious threat to even make the playoffs, so they could be the cute, lovable team, and you could you could have your Shohei Otani affinity if you were an Astros, a yeah, Rangers yeah, of course, fan. Yeah. Exactly. Shohei's amazing. Isn't he so great? Because, like, the Shohei Otani's not coming to your building and, and winning a bunch of baseball no, games. No, it's like the only time there was any an animosity is even too strong was the year with Vlad and him, and he went out to L.A., and it was like, I hope Vlad gets the best to Shohei. But that was literally the only time. Yeah, there was no animosity towards Shohei Otani. Those days are over. <laughs> I, and maybe I'm overstating it, but I guarantee you, if he doesn't end up in Toronto and he ends up in Dodger Blue and the Dodgers play in Toronto, mm-hmm. he's not going to be universally beloved here. There's going to be a level of animosity. Certainly the way the last couple of days have worked out for the Chicago Cubs, you think he's going into Wrigley and some uh, Cubs fan is going to be like, hey, here's the unicorn. Right. Hooray. No. No. Like, there's a number of markets out there. I think in Anaheim, he will always be feted because yep. that's, that's, he chose them initially. He hasn't discounted the possibility of returning there. And despite the fact that they haven't won, well, his fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's incredible that he's even considering that organization, considering how little they've lost more than a half decade. But outside of Anaheim, where he doesn't choose, that's mm-hmm. been part of this process, that has convinced themselves that they are in on Shohei Otani, there's going to be, like, not a small amount of animosity towards Shohei Otani next season. Yeah, I think there will be. I don't know if it'll get to a point of, like, a mass boo or anything like that. I don't know. I mean, it's all it takes is a little fervor De- and then a couple Depends of- on how many uh, Major League Baseball insiders are in the crowd because, yeah, they're going to boo the heck <laughs> out of him. It would be me, Rosie, and, and Buster going, boo! this guy boo this man i it it is really interesting to see uh the other thing about it just quickly looking at the sked they are here very early on in the season next year uh looks like april 26th uh, 27th 28th is when the dodgers uh, come to town next year so boy oh boy that'll be interesting one way or another we we think in terms of the in terms of the reaction you're gonna get from shohei i or uh, towards him i i think there will definitely be it won't be the universal applause and the fetting. But I think that, you know, if this game was happening and, you know, baseball hasn't played then, so it wouldn't. But if this game is happening in January, it'd be a very different reaction to April. I also think depending on what happens after this, let's say that let's just like 
dream, well, not dream, but like backup dream scenario. They miss out on Shohei. They get Soto. Mm-hmm. Feels very different than, okay, like you were able to pivot. You got your guy still. You feel, and you maybe, know, depending on what the trade is. I think that, that the way the rest of the offseason plays out, now if it is the offseason from hell and they miss on Shohei and they can't get it on a Soto trade and it's the little tinkery moves and all right, let's stop gap here, stop gap there. Then I think Shohei Otani will almost become a proxy for the front office. And then it is way worse. But if, even if they don't land him in the moves, you know, there's a, there's one big sexy splash and there's a couple other moves that make sense. I think that it's off in the blow in a big, big way. I almost think it will be Shohei coming will not be that. That's what I've landed on this Shohei coming and his reaction here. Should he not sign with the Jays will not be a referendum on how people feel about Shohei Otani. It'll be a referendum on how they felt about the offseason after him. Yeah. If there's no Shohei Otani, there's no Juan Soto and there is a secondary piece that is hey, maybe helpful, maybe even more helpful than, than Shohei Otani. Entirely Otani possible. Would be. Yeah. Um, it won't matter. Like people will be mad, mad, mad. Um, and you're right, it'll be at the front office, but it'll also be at Shohei Otani because it feels like the front office is doing all they can to, to land Shohei Otani, and it's not going to come down to dollars and cents. Blue Jays are right at the forefront well, as far as offering the most money. It's going to be Shohei Otani deciding, oh, maybe well, listening to the, the last 20 minutes of, of, of this radio program definitely. saying like, oh, man, yeah, I thought it was calm there. It, it's not so much. Yeah, the other the other interesting thing about it is that if – if Otani does end up going to the Dodgers now, how much will it retroactively have felt like the Blue Jays were just used as leverage because of the secrecy thing and Roberts coming out? Like, retroactively, you can, mm. you, I'll just paint the picture for you. He signs with the Dodgers tomorrow. And then you, you know, you hear the stories of how great the Jays' pitch was. They felt really happy about it. There's nothing else they could do. You go, yeah, Rod, Robert said the thing. And even the secrecy, the one thing we know that was supposed to matter, even that couldn't, you know, sway him away from the Dodgers. I can't see, I, I can't see a bit of, not revisionist history, but a, looking at it through a different lens after that. To me, that would make me more mad if I was like, oh, Shohei never was intent on becoming a Blue No, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm getting at. I yeah. think that that type of thing can yeah. make can make the worm kind of turn on him as, as well. Uh, you know what's better? If he just signs in Toronto, becomes a Blue Jay, and then it's the other franchises that have to be upset at Shohei Otani. So, he's not, not, so he's not riding into the biosphere in Nashville on a white horse. Mm-hmm. He's doing it at Pearson. Yeah, we'll see. Or maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe it's, Billy Bishop. I don't know. It's, yeah, this is going to happen... If not in the next couple of days, in the next week. Uh, so, so, we, so we told. I've been told a lot that this is like, hey, Shohei is gonna, it's gonna take his time, but this is gonna move along. This is gonna move. Okay, what well, again? What are we waiting for here? The visits have been made. What's happening? We'll see. Uh, Maple Leafs are gonna play a hockey game tomorrow, not tonight. They're gonna practice again today. They practice for the first time since the weekend yesterday. Mm-hmm. No big surprises other than Ilya Samsonov still hasn't recovered from his illness. He's started practice and then departed. He's still not 100%. So um, I I guess we're headed towards Martin Jones being the backup again on Thursday and Joseph Wall making his fifth straight start. To me, the biggest surprise at this point for the Maple Leafs is that we haven't heard anything on John Klingberg, which I felt like at the end of last week was kind of the the de facto deadline. Mm -hmm. And certainly by... Monday of this week, he'll have conducted his visit with whatever medical professional he had to who was going to eventually say, hey, Mm -hmm. buddy, you're done for the season. Now that it is dragging on days and days and days after we thought it would be resolved, Brent, does that make you feel one way or another about 
the the potential of John Klingberg returning to this Maple Leafs lineup? It's worrisome. I'd love to sit here and tell you otherwise, and I know that you know a person's health is at stake, so we shouldn't shouldn't say that. Whatever. The Leafs need that cap space. They don't need it for six weeks. They don't need it for two months. They need it for the entirety of the rest of the regular season. They need to make use of that spot. It was a massive missed cost opportunity. You understood the risk to a certain extent. They got to find a way to move off of this. You know, the thing that is most concerning to me about this, and, you know, I understand Friedman would have said similar things about other teams and other circumstances, but at the very start of all this, when Klingberg first went on LTIR, there were several reports that the Leafs knew teams were watching them on this, that the league was being very careful. And again, I'm sure they do due diligence on all these things, with the exception of Nikita Kucherov, who had to come back after being on the ice for five weeks, but heaven forbid he play a regular season game. So the league does take these things seriously. And the longer this goes on, I don't know how you can sit here and feel any better about it. I think the only person who can feel any level of optimism about this at all is John Klingberg. And I guess, well, I was about to say whatever hip doctor he's talking to, but that hip doctor wouldn't feel pretty good about it because guess what? He ain't getting the money because Mm. it doesn't look, the longer this goes on, it doesn't look like some procedure is going to happen. I suppose. like that? Maybe he's just getting multiple opinions. Maybe this is like, man, I'm not hearing what I wanted to hear from you. Let's, let's, Let's shop this opinion around. I'm sure that is happening, but then this is, I mean, so much of this is about the player being willing to play ball. And the longer this goes on, it does feel like, eh, let me talk to this doc. Maybe I can hear something different to your point of it's not a three-month thing. It's an eight-week thing. And that's very different in terms of the Leafs' cap picture this year. You need this guy to play ball. And I thought a big part of, you know, one of the things that Treliving is, is, you know, supposed to bring to the table that was different than the last guy is he has these relationships. He's been in the game with agents, with other players. Like you're supposed to have this level of buy-in and I'm not putting that on for living, but it is frustrating that, you know, I brought up the point with, you know, Kyle Dubas was the GM that everybody had to win their trade on. And now he's gone. And all of a sudden the team that you got to trade with, that's the team that they got to get the best over Brad for living on. So I just, I look at this scenario with the Leafs and I don't know how you can look at it as anything other than concerning that he has not gone on or not. I shouldn't say that he hasn't gone on, but that we haven't got certainty of this is LTIR for the year. The Leafs have the cap room to spend. The longer it goes on, I I do get concerned. Yeah, I I, I feel the opposite. I th- I think it's more likely that yeah, John Klingberg's fighting like heck to find somebody who will tell him, hey buddy, you don't have to go under the knife, and hey this this will be fine. Just rehab it. You'll mm-hmm. be okay. And it's not happening for him, and he's wondering what his place is in. The sport, well, how in can the he league, come, with how, this team. How can he come back to the team right now? Like, this isn't this isn't TJ Brody or Mark Giordano who, or even Timothy Lilligren, who has some long run of track record with this group. And, and I don't even mean just on the ice, but just being a part of the team. Like, he just got here. The team sees what we all see. Like, you know, I know there's all buy-in and they probably go, oh, you know, I do know John can snap it around a little and he, when he's at his best, da-da-da-da-da. But they see what we all see as well. How can he walk back into that locker room and say, hey, boys, I'm ready to go? Because the, they, whether they think about it or not, in the back of their minds or in the back of the CPU, look at John Tavares, they, you, they are thinking that's supposed to be one or two new defensemen that are coming. I don't think. You think? 
I don't. I the, think the, they're. The, I think the physical Toronto Maple Leafs players think, are thinking that. I think they're. I think they're thinking about a guy that's been in the league for a decade plus, who used to be one of the all-time greats, who's having a bad season, who's a pending free agent. They. I don't think these guys think about the cap manipulations of what Brad for Living has to do to improve this deadline. They should be or, uh, improve this blue line at the deadline. I think they're looking at the human being John Klingberg, as they should. Um, it's our job to to think about the other things about how to how to remake this this blue line that mm-hmm. clearly is inferior and John Klingberg being the smelly stinking version of himself yeah. that we saw mm-hmm. in the limited sample with the Maple Leafs. I don't think for one second that anybody on that Leafs team looks at John Klingberg's like just go away, man. You I think- thought you were supposed to go away. Why are you still here? There's no. I in fact I can guarantee you there's not one person that for one second has thought that. I think they. I th- if those guys don't think about that, this is all we've talked about for the better part of the entirety of their primes of the cap and how much room do you have and how much money did all of you guys take which again I'm like the guy who begrudges them the least for that but how can you not look at it I don't think they're sitting there okay to your point I don't think they're sitting there going oh my god I hope John can never skate again that'd be so good I do think they look at it and go that version of that player has not helped us this year and if we have two new bodies coming in via trade like you don't think there's been players so it would be better if John Klingberg wasn't healthy and he was just stinking up the joint then they'd want him out of there I think they I don't think they're actively rooting for him to be hurt but i do think that they've been sitting there that like again there are certainly guys who don't think about this at all for sure there are a thousand percent those guys but there are hockey nerds who think about the cap and think about these things and they need they need the help back there as well like again like love loggerson love what benoit has given you Mm -hmm. god bless mark giordano and connor timmons and all of that you don't want more than two of those guys in the lineup in the playoffs and i don't know that you want to yeah, I, I I don't think they're thinking about his cap hit. Like, I think I'm very much thinking about his cap hit, and I think Bradford Living's very much thinking about his cap hit, and he's, you know, he's telling the players and the player that he's thinking about the person, which he is. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, his job is to make this team better. And yeah, no it's one... easier to make this team better if John Klingberg's gone. But I, I, I find it hard to believe that any of the players are are actively rooting for John Klingberg to to disappear and never show up again for this Leafs team. I, I think it's, of okay, maybe maybe they're not actively rooting for that, but they're certainly rooting for the reinforcement of some other bodies. Oh, I think yeah. that's, okay, well, then they're the, it's the exact same thing. So whether they want to connect those dots or not, that because I don't, I, I think this is a perfect thing to ask Bourne about because I honestly don't know how he could come back. And maybe you're right. Maybe it is a thing that only coaches and GMs think about, but I'd imagine there, I don't think it's, I don't think it's 23 guys, but okay, let's put it to, I'll put it to one guy very specifically. Mm-hmm. Ryan Reeves place on this team is a lot easier when you have the cap flexibility of John Klingberg being on LTIR. I don't think he's sitting there going, oh, please be hurt forever. But he's not dumb. He realizes that he can get in the lineup more. Like these are, again. You know what? It's, it, it's, I think it's actually easier for him. He has to be in the lineup every day if John Klingberg's yes, with this team. Yes, but then he so- gets pointed out as the sore thumb of like, what? How much better have we talked about Ryan Reeves when he can pick his spots as opposed to when you and I are in the press box? Sure, but and Ryan it's... Reeves thinks he can be good every day, right? Like, Ryan Reeves doesn't want to be in the press box, I don't think. I don't, Like, to your point about the pro-athlete yeah. mentality when it comes to Shoei Otani, and they're obviously, like, uh, apples and uh, Titanics, like, talking about yes. the two things. But um, 
yeah, Ryan Reeves thinks he's a good hockey player and thinks he's had some bad luck this season. He knows what he is, but he doesn't want to be in the press box. I don't think he wants to be in the press box 60 nights a year, but I think he understands at this point of his career that he is a he is a more effective player when they pick his spots with him. Would he, given his druthers, want to go out there 82 nights a year? Yes, but I think people can have dual track minds of what do I want to do and what makes me most effective. Mm-hmm. And especially with a guy like Ryan Reeves, you know, this deal, he took it because of the term, he took it because of the money, but he also took it so that he can, I'd imagine in his mind's eye, ride off into the sunset, having had a great run in Toronto where mm-hmm. he is looked at as a very popular, likable guy. And I think that's all part and parcel of it too. Honestly, I I, I would hazard to guess that the players don't think too much about the the machinations of, of roster building at all, unless it concerns their ability to be on the team, like whether they're going to be demoted, and and maybe that's the the correlation to 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 the Ryan Reeves of it all. But I I don't I think they they just root for a guy who I'm I'm sure they like, um, and maybe in the I know case Yarn of Croc some of the, the Swedish players, yeah, like looked Yarn up Croc to, likes him. yeah, I think they're rooting for him to return. Um, Not just so we're clear. Hope he's healthy. Not me. Not yeah. I Not mean, me. how can you? After what we've seen. I know you tried to make me feel like a bad guy there. I don't like no, it. No, 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 no. I'm with you. Okay. Like, cause like, that's what I'm thinking about. But yeah, I, I, what I know about professional athletes is that they are one optimistic that they can win with or without him. And like he, they can get the best out of him. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, they're probably friendly with do John you, Klingberg. When you, when you try to think like a professional athlete, do you just do the Costanza? Just like, however I would think about something, it's the opposite of that. Yeah. Morris. <laughs> For for the most part, yeah, yeah that's same, true. Same, same exactly. Um, yeah, and in fact, when when pro athletes eh, speak through the media, uh, it's very different than the way I would do things. Uh, which brings us to something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Aaron Rodgers probably not going to play again in the NFL this season. Um, oh, what a shame! He's going to keep. Cashing them checks, which are quite large for going on Pat McAfee's show on, on ESPN. Um, and he did, in fact, go on a show yesterday, as he does every single week. It was in person, in studio, for the first time that I can remember it ever being. Yeah. Uh, among some of the things he hit on, he said, like, hey, man, Christmas Eve was kind of the day that was targeting. And, um, yeah, he he really he didn't discount the possibility of the Jets turning things around and him still coming back to play in a meaningful game this season for the Jets. But he also addressed what's happened with Zach Wilson over the last couple of days and his involvement in that. Um, here is Aaron Rodgers with Pat McAfee on his show yesterday. I don't understand what you get out of that, number one. But number two, um, what do you... What is your impetus? What is your motivation to try and bury someone like that? Um, and that's a problem with the organization. You know, we need to get to the bottom of whatever this is coming from and put a stop to it privately uh, because there's no place in a, in a winning culture where, and there's been, this is not the only time, there's been a bunch of other leaks. Big that, city, a lot of out. reporters. I get it. A lot of friends. I get it. Without your friends. No, yeah. They're not your friends. Yeah, what? friends. They're not your friends. Even if they are, like, is that really what you want to be about? You want to be about using someone in the media yes. to leak stuff to uh, in order for what? To get them to put your name out there for a job or if you're a player to get you a write-up something? I think it's chicken shit, um, at its core. And, and uh, 
you know, I think it has no place in, in a winning organization to be to be a source on it, especially not if you're going to assassinate somebody's character, and, and especially not when it's someone that I really love and care about, like Zach Wilson. Um, what is a staple of winning organizations is doing a weekly media availability. No, honestly, how dare people, how dare people use the media to try to get their version of the story out there as I sit in studio on ESPN taking my, what is it, million dollars or half a million dollars, whatever Pat McAfee's given them over the years. <sighs> I mean, don't actually stop talking, but oh my God, stop talking, Aaron Rodgers. There, every single time he opens his mouth my eyes roll clear out of the back of my head. I There is a point he's making there that's not unfair. Like, yeah, that does no good for the organization. Guess who else does no good for the organization? Zach Wilson. That guy stinks, and the players hate him, and that's why the stuff is leaking out. So I understand where Rodgers is coming from in the extent of, like, he's going to take up for the team and protect the mantle. Again, uh, maybe have a little hubris about what you're saying, as, again, you're on ESPN using a platform for your own advantages. Like, just seems like all, to- all time talking out of both sides of his mouth, and I, although I think he has, a, you know, a kernel of a point in there. Sure, he's got a point. Like, leaks are bad for any organization, especially when, when they're, like, their expressed purpose appears to be to make one person appear foolish or bad or hurt their reputation. Right. Somebody has an axe to grind against Zach Wilson, and that's why they leaked it to somebody. Tim Boyle. Seems like it's, um, yeah, somebody has a, a direct line to The Athletic um, that, that Zach Wilson wasn't interested in returning to Amazing. the the starting quarterback job this weekend and i mean to make matters worse it's like the worst thing that you can tell somebody in a in a contact sport like football he's oh, afraid of getting hurt right so like bad. there's there's they, if you were going to assassinate zach wilson's character well done like you did a pretty good job over the last couple of days that's Honestly, bad headshot. that's 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 bad when it when a when that happens from a a supposedly respected professional sports franchise this is worse though like an active player who's played not even a full game with that organization saying, oh, there's this whole organization's rotten. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's all rotten. There's a chicken bleep person here. Like, somebody, and it's not the first time, and it might be multiple people, it might be just the way this organization's run. It's total garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't played a game. Who knows if I can still play capably at an MVP level anymore? It's... That's a different story. It's not a better story. No. Aaron Rodgers is not making it better. No, he's not. He's been shining a light on this. It has been a blinking beacon of come look at what a disaster this year has been of when it should have been some semblance of competence. And, you know, we talked about this with Peter yesterday. Like, yeah, you can sit there and say, ah, what do you want him to do? Rodgers got hurt and they got Tim Boyle or Zach Wilson. No, part of that's on the coaching staff there as well. Like, Does anybody feel differently about Jake Browning than any of those guys three weeks ago than we Mm. do right now? You know, Gardner Minshew has proven himself to be more than capable. Josh Dobbs has done it for two different teams already this year. And I know the sheen's off the rose a little bit there, but that's okay. Like, that's what your backup is supposed to look like. So I... Uh, there is just so much blame to go around there. You can point the finger at Roger. You can point the will- finger at Zach Wilson. You can point the finger at whoever whoever it was who leaked it to the reporter. And also just, you know, we always, you always hear the saying of like, find you someone who loves you the way blank loves blank. <laughs> find something to hate the way Aaron Rodgers hates us, Ben. Of like, you know, maybe we're not the media he's talking about there, but God, he 
loads it. And then I just have to get this in here. We don't need to play the clip. This is ridiculous. Aaron Rodgers goes to like a straight one shot mm. of looking into the camera, taking a victory lap on his on his COVID takes. And then Pat McAfee referred to it as doing journalism right after that. So just like that kind of tells you everything you needed to know uh, about the tenor of, of that show. I've talked about it a million times. It's just it, like, it's great in the sense. Like I know a million people love it. It's just very off putting to me. It's just so aggressive. And I know that's a lot cause I'm screaming at you guys every morning, but it's just, it's a lot for me. No, it's, it's amazing that Aaron Rodgers does, Use that show as his pulpit, yeah. and, and but again, how dare anyone else? Directly into the camera. Yeah. To your point, like he's, he's like, yeah, he, hey, hey, I'm, I'm sure he's friendly with Pat McAfee, and that's of part of it, and certainly the money. But it's like, that's Aaron Rodgers talking to you, America. Yeah, like he's, yeah, it's good stuff. You gotta feel good if you're a Jets fan after oh, no, everything that's gone down best, here. Yeah, the best. <laughs> this is not just a Zach Wilson problem. God, it's like, it is this worse than the butt fumble? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, the effects of it are way more long-lasting. So, yeah. yeah, I would say More yes. embarrassing, though? Maybe not. Mm, maybe not more embarrassing. Uh, it's it's plenty embarrassing, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right, when we come back, uh, Raptors heat tonight. Kyle Lowry in town. Maybe his second-last visit to Toronto in his career. What do we envision for Lowry post-playing career? We'll talk about that and more next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sports at 590, the fan man, and spring gunning. The Hughes Bowl yesterday. Yeah. As the uh, Canucks come storming back but end up losing uh, 6-5 to the Devils. So the way this has been posited, the way I've seen it written is, mm. it's like the Hughes boys become just the ninth set of three brothers to play in the same NHL game. That feels like a lot to you. Yeah, th- that <laughs> feels like an outrageously high number. Uh, nine times I, I this know. has happened in NHL history. Well, the NHL, like the been stalls and the sutters, yeah. like come to mind. But yeah. nine times the NHL's been around for uh, for a long time. I, you know, imagine nine there's, times. I, don't know, I feel like there's like you know, there's some like. Let me put it this way. I yes, guarantee uh, you, Gretzky's. And- well, no, not even that. It's just like I guarantee you, there's some the Sutters of sure. some other Alberta town, not Viking. And it's like they each played three games or whatever. Like there's something in but there. But that's still amazing. It is. No, I, I would never take away anybody playing one game in the ECHL. It's an incredible accomplishment, let alone brothers playing against each other. These guys do feel like kind of the it's, – it is amazing. You say that of just the ninth. But, yeah, it is amazing that it feels like every generation-ish we get one of these, right? Like, you know, you go all the way back to, like, the Conacher family way, way back when. But it's like you got Gordie Howe, and he hung around long enough to play with his sons. And then the Sutters, like you mentioned, you get your Sedin brothers. You're going to see it now with the Hugheses. You had the Stalls. Like, mm. just part of the game, man. Like, every every generation, you, you get one of these. Sports are no longer a meritocracy. It's, no. it's all about genetics. Bro. Yeah. Oh, 
thought you got it. You got it. You got it. It's all about who who's your family. I thought you were gonna say nepotism, and I'm like, no, I think they're all good. I don't think mm. people were taking a fourth overall pick just uh, just to make Jack happy. I don't Nine think that's what they were doing with Luke. Three, because it's like it's the one thing. It's the, like it, the brother brother we see all the time in yeah. sports, kinda. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. sure. Two, three, that's nine, nine times in NHL history, three brothers have played that is a in lot. the same game, like. Uh, this is and they're also time. they're also good though. That's the other thing. Like, I mean, yeah. Do you compare? Here's my guess. Though. Sure. You look at the other sports, and basketball doesn't have quite yeah. as long a history, so that's tougher. And the rosters are shorter, so it's yeah. just like mathematically, it's more difficult. It's a harder. Major League Baseball has a longer history. It's been mm-hmm. around for a long time. Football shorter history, yep. but bigger rosters. Yep. I, I'm I'm thinking nobody's coming close to the nine times that three brothers have all played in the same game. That's my guess. Yeah, I would I would venture your same. I guess football would be the other one just because of the size okay, of the roster. The Kelsey's. Right? Yeah, no, but I'm like I'm not gonna sit here and tell like there's the Jones brothers like there's something to that. But yeah, like I I can't football. I, yeah, you're right. The roster just the size roster size with like 53 of them and and yeah. if you're yeah again if we're going to by genetics like. Yeah. Um, well, the Gronkowskis, there's like four of them that made it. If to you're the just NFL. built in a certain size, you, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're by, more likely to play the NFL. By the way, if you've never seen it, I don't even know where I'm supposed to be sending you for this, but there is a like, I don't know, like a E60 behind the scenes, whatever type thing on the Gronkowski family and raising the effectively herd of children that mm-hmm. they had. And, they just talk about like going through 47 gallons of milk a week. And he's like, oh, they didn't have beds. There was just a room with a bunch of beds. And it wasn't like this one's Rob's and this is Chris. They just pass out wherever they pass out. Must have, God, the damage done in that home. Just the walls, everything. It's a lot of man in that house. Jeez. Yeah, a lot of, lot of money spent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like I, I uh, my eldest son. It's like sometimes I have a difficult time getting him to eat his food. Mm. Like, that's a problem. Yeah. But, yeah, the opposite would also oh, be a problem. Yes. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm right in the throes of, like, I, we have to open everything new all the time. So, yeah, there's a lot of money getting spent on yeah. food. And I just got the one, never mind, three that play in the NHL like the Hughes did. And they had a fourth under their roof for a time. I don't know if you saw that. The, yeah, William Nylander. Willie Nylander, who lived with them. They just oftentimes a, call him the fourth Hughes brother. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, he's uh, he's their idol. It's just, again, it's like it is, it's just so funny, the ties. that Like, yeah, all sports have it, but hockey does seem to have it. And, you know, so much of this is, like, the idea of, living with billet families and it's just kind of part and parcel of of everything there but yeah it's it's awesome to see and the fact that they're all so good again like you know luke still jury's still a little bit out younger player there but it's you know we saw what jack Hughes capable of last year we saw what quinn is capable of this year special guys man we um and the point i need to make actually as we're talking about nhl siblings has to has to has to be made um there'd be a lot of brothers in the uh, NHL who would have had pretty like great superstar players. You know, if like Quinn and Jack got to play together and one was a forward and one was a winger, it'd probably bolster their results. Like it is impossible for me to think about NHL brothers and the Sedins and just how imagine like I go to Sundin all the time. Imagine if Matt Sundin had a twin brother named Mark or whatever his name would have been. It was just perfectly complemented to his game. And that is why the Sedin's like, it's always so special, but it's always like a bit of an asterisk for me because it's like, yeah, of course, they they literally were created together to play together. There's only two um, of them, though. Yeah, only two, not three. Uh, so, so it's not even special. We we have a, a department here at Sportsnet, Sportsnet Stats, where mm. you can send stat requests to them, and they're great. They, oh, they can come up with stuff that you'd... 
I don't even know where, where I'd start trying to dig it up on the internet. Should I, like, this is an extreme one. Should I send them down the war path of trying to figure out in the other major oh. North American pro sports how many three sets of brothers no. have ever played in games? No. no, you shouldn't. I thought you were going to ask, like, who are the other brothers that did it in the NHL? No, no, and I'm no, like, oh, they the, definitely yeah. have that. You yes. should ask them that. They'll get to send an email. No, I don't care about that. No. I, I get it. Uh, no, I don't think that's important enough, and they have, like, real work to do. <sighs> I won't allow it. And I, I and you know I am okay, well, you know what you know I'm not going to do it why because then I get to be right because oh, I don't know the result I'm like great. yeah this doesn't happen in other sports you nine know, times is an extremely high number and you know I send you to Sportsnet stats all the time you do ask me like oh what about this I'm like I don't know why don't you send an email to our stats <laughs> department so I tell you to go there all the time but even that for me is too much of a make work project for them you know what I don't need a number for what Kyle Lowry being the greatest Raptor of all time okay I only need one number. And it's one. It was the ring? Oh, I was yeah, and the like great like because he's number oh, one. Oh, I see. There's also yeah, one or seven. Okay. Yeah, for his number. Yeah, yeah sure. So, actually, there's a lot of numbers I need. <laughs> uh by the way, um Raptors basketball on the Sportsnet Radio Network tonight. Uh you can listen to the game on Sportsnet Five Nine, the fans starting at seven thirty. Raptors reaction after the game. There's another home game against the Heat this season coming up in January and then two more games in Miami. But this is the final year of Kyle Lowry's deal Mm -hmm. in Miami that has been uneven, to say the least. Uh, Last year was quite bad. Mm -hmm. This year he's shooting the ball better, but he's averaging fewer than 10 points a game. He's also going to be 38 in March. So this this could be it. I guess this might be the end of the line for for Kyle Lowry. He's he's starting, though, for the Mm -hmm. Heat, and he's he's contributing for a team that's fallen on hard times recently. But... Yeah, in a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. What do you expect from Kyle Lowry after his career is over? Because like, there's very perilously few former Raptors that spend a ton of time in Toronto. Yeah. Alvin Williams were lucky enough to have as part of the Sportsnet broadcast Our man. crew. But, like, yeah, Vince won't do a radio interview, mm-hmm. let alone show his right. face in the city of Toronto. And, like, so many of the, the principal players on mm-hmm. that 2019 team are still active. So it's hard to know exactly how many, like... But Joe Carter has a charity... Yep. Garf, like, Joe Carter's available. He's around. Mm-hmm. A lot of Blue Jays that were part of those championship teams are in and around. Yep. Like, how, how much do you think we're going to see of Kyle Lowry when he when he's done playing? I, I mean, it's funny you mentioned the charity golf tournament because the second you posited that question in the tease when we went to break was... I feel like it's going to be playing a lot of golf is yeah. what Kyle Lowry is going to be doing. But, like, I, I could easily see a charity golf tournament up here. But, like, you know, I don't know how all that works. You know, I'm be cutting Carter's grass. I don't know exactly how, how all that, that works. You know what? We've been too busy about our own feuds. We need to get those guys feuding so they can hash it out on our show. About, but I can see a world where he has something along those lines. But, you know, he's pretty proud Philly guy. I, you know, not that Alvin isn't, but we've also heard his opinion on the Philly fans, so maybe he feels a little differently there. I just can't see him setting up shop in Toronto. Do I think he'll be around from time to time when there's an event for the, you know, he'll be up here for his banner raising, the retirement of his jersey, of course, of course, when there's something to honor the team, of course, of course, but... I don't think he's going to be around all the time. Maybe a charity tournament. You, you could see that, but you could just as easily see that in, in Philly where he, mm. he kind of... I think he's a proud Philadelphian, but I think part of the discussion around him not and like I don't think Tyrese Maxey was on the table, but yeah. I don't think like Kyle Lowry was all that enamored with the idea of playing in Philadelphia. No, but he also like he has his number retired by Villanova, mm-hmm. which is in Philly. Like it's it's a little complicated there. But like to your point, it's not just Vince, right? Like Chris Bosch. When was the last time he was around these mm-hmm. parts? Never, right? Yeah, again, like weird, weird divorces yeah. and yeah. 
Yeah. It, it'll be different for the for those guys that played on the 2019 team. Yeah. Maybe Danny Green, maybe. Uh, time now for the Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. Let's start with the Raptors at home against the Miami Heat. And despite the fact the Raptors are a couple games under 500 now, they are three-and-a-half-point favorites against uh, Jimmy Butler's Miami Heat, the total 219-and-a-half, Brent. I'm just going to take the Raptors on the uh, money line here. They got Hero banged up. You got Bam banged up for the Heat. It's been a rough year for them. This is kind of a perfect game for the Raptors to lose of the Heat just going, we got that dog in us and not not giving up. But I think Scotty Barnes has it in him too. So uh, just give me the Raptors on the money line, minus 149 there. I'm actually going to take the the over uh, on the total of mm. 219 and a half here. I know the Raptors shot the three exceedingly poorly against the Knicks, and there are a couple of games under 500, but this is part of the Raptors. Raptors DNA is whenever you think you're out, they pull you back in. It's yep. not like they're about to fall off the face of the earth here. Um, I think you you see their best offensive effort uh, tonight. Um, by the way, in-season tournament winner odds as the the four teams, we have the, the four semifinalists now. The Milwaukee Bucks, the favorites at plus 165. Lakers, second favorites at plus 225. The New Orleans Pelicans third at plus 375. The Pacers, the long shot underdogs at plus 450. Kind of like them at that spot. Like if you're, we're down to the final four here. Mm -hmm. We're just talking about two games that the Pacers have to win to win the NBA in-season tournament at at almost five to one odds. I like that. Yeah, from a strictly value proposition, you you do like that. I'm still leaning Lakers. I think that LeBron is more motivated than anybody to win this thing, and it could be Dame for his first and maybe only chance at the title if that's what the final ends up being, but I think I like the Lakers there. Uh, Second second shortest odds, but I still like them at plus 225. All right, and uh, the Edmonton Oilers at home against the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, this one pretty much a coin flip as the Oilers slight favorites at minus 115, the Hurricanes minus uh, 105, the total at six and a half for uh, this hockey game as the Oilers try to get themselves back into the playoff mix in the Western Conference. Let's take that over. Uh, the Oilers have been hitting it. If there's if they're winning, they're scoring. So uh, give me the minus 133 at the over six and a half there. Yeah, uh, I think Connor McDavid continues to do his, uh, his Connor McDavid thing and his assault at the top of the uh, NHL uh, points leaderboard. Uh, give me the over six and a half in that one as well. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. When we come back, we'll get back into Shohei Otani, and then we'll talk to Justin Bourne, a real kipper and Bourne next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.